Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Here's your rod, Bill. That's your empty rod. Jerry, there's your empty rod. Everybody's going to get their empty rod and they're going to look at Aaron's rod. And there won't be any question now as unto, you know, who did God call? Who did God elect? God said, let me clarify it. Here's another lesson for us, right? The people were attacking Aaron and Moses, but Aaron and Moses didn't need to defend themselves. Who defended them? The Lord did. The Lord said, I'm going to deal with this. Aaron's rod is the one that bore fruit. The people were attacking Aaron, saying they should lead instead of him. But Pastor Bill tells us that it was the Lord who defended Aaron. Aaron's rod supernaturally sprouted flowers and grew fruit when it was in the presence of the Lord. We have a choice. We can choose to be like the ones who attacked the leaders and whose rods remain dead, or we can follow the example of Aaron. We can allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives and defend us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 17, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Here it is again. So I'm just going to give a Reader's Digest, but I'm going to give you some verses. You know, whenever God says things over and over and over again, probably because we need to hear it over and over and over again. First thing I would ask you is, everybody here, think about the last thing you complained about. Last complaint. You don't have to raise your hand and shout it out, but what's the last thing you complained about? Now, you can complain within yourself. You can complain out loud. You can complain on the phone with your friends. All such complaining, God hears. God hears the murmuring in your heart. God hears when you go ahead and let loose and let it out your mouth. God knows when you direct it at somebody. All such complaining, all is naked and visible and open to the Lord. So if you're writing notes, I just got five verses. I want you to write them down. We first talked about this in detail, if you remember, in Numbers 11. So write down Numbers 11, verses 1 through 4. And this is what we saw in Numbers 11, 1 through 4. This is when we really went in on complaining. First of all, it said that it displeased the Lord as they complained and they murmured. God didn't like it. It displeased the Lord. Second, it says that he heard it. So we know that complaining displeases him. Uh, We know that we can't do it without him hearing it. He heard it. Third, it made him angry. So not only just displease him, it's not God's not passively. It just doesn't make him happy. But then actively, God says it makes me angry. It angered the Lord that they were complaining. And the problem with the complaints were that when God's kids complain, who are they complaining against? God. Right. When I complain about my status in life or my state in life, I'm always complaining against God. I'm really saying, God, you haven't been good to me. God, what you're doing right now is not enough. I need more. It's Not good enough. My complaints are always against the Lord. And then the last thing was, as far as the complaining, it displeased the Lord. He heard it. It made him angry. If you guys remember, he consumed many of them for it. They were punished for it. They were consumed. Um, so some people complained no more because they died. They couldn't. The complaint ended right there. So for you and me, right, there can be things that you're dissatisfied with that don't please you, that you're not happy with. But we don't want to become people that complain. What's the believer to do? What do you do in a situation where, man, I'm not really happy with the way this is going right here. What should we do? Pray. Right. We can cry out to God. We can say, Dad, Abba, Father, Lord, 
this is what's happening right now. It, it hurts me. It's very difficult for me. We could cry out to God. We could ask God to help us with what we're doing with. But understand this, that complaining bears no positive fruits, right? There's nothing positive. When you complain, God doesn't hear a complaint to, oh, okay, let me help you with that. It's not, it's not a prayer. It's just a complaint. It's just void. It just goes out and he doesn't like it. So here's a few verses. Write them down. Keep them for another time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul wrote there that let no corrupt word proceed from out of your mouth. He says, but only that which is necessary or that which is useful. Let me go to it so I can read it right. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. So he says, hey, just don't let any corrupt speech come out of it. What is corrupt speech? Some people use that verse to speak about cuss words, which I think, you know, it would qualify. But corrupt speech, the word corrupt there is actually speaking about what happens to a body that's decaying in the ground. Let no corrupt speech come out. There's things that just bring death. It's just negative. It's just bringing death. Let no corrupt speech come out of your mouth, but only those things that are necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. So when you complain, know that it doesn't do any of that. It is corrupt speech. And one of the things that we know about complaining is that it's contagious. If you work in a public setting, all you need is one person to complain about some new thing. And everybody, I know, and everybody just runs off with it. That's human nature. Everybody be running off complaining. Your kids, one kid complain, what is that, mom, on the plate? And everybody be complaining. It's contagious. It's part of human nature. Everybody just runs off with it, so we shouldn't do it. No corrupt speech coming out of our mouth. Next thing. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 10. And it says, speaking of uh, another scenario where they complain, I'll read verse 9. It says, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So they, those that complain, they were destroyed by the destroyer. That's one of the names for Satan. That's one of the titles for the enemy in the word. They were destroyed by the destroyer as, as they complain. So we don't want to give way to that. And then Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. I think this is probably the clearest reference. Philippians 2, 14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing. All things. Do everything that you do without complaining, without disputing. God wants us to go along. And this is just for good measure. You write down Isaiah 53, 7. And it talks about Jesus because Jesus is our example in everything. And it talks about how that when he was beat and he was wrongly accused and all the things that he endured, how that he took all of that and he didn't say anything, didn't answer back, just, just took it quietly. And so... He's an example for you and I, right? Instead of complaining, I mean, we know that he prayed. We know that Jesus' communication, even on the cross, the communications were with his Father in heaven. And if you have things that are weighing on you, heavy on you, burdening you, it would be a much more fruitful and effective thing to cry out to God and to pray and tell him than it would to complain, blast it out there and share it. And again, especially since we know that that doesn't please God. It's not what he wants for us. So here in the end of verse five, God says, look, I'm, I'm going to deal with this. All this complaining from them is going to be put to rest. It's going to be, I'm going to rid myself of their complaining. And again, when we study scripture, we're always really, we're studying God. I mean, I'm learning about Israel. I'm learning about what happened back then, but I'm also learning about God 
and I just read the attitude of that. God said, I'm going to rid myself. I don't want it no more. I can't take it. I don't like it. I'm going to rid myself of these people. I don't want God to feel that way about me. I wouldn't want God to feel like I just need to rid myself of. I, I can't take I can't hear any more complaining out of your mouth. I just need to rid myself. Everybody here knows people that you may feel that way about. Ooh, just need to break. I don't want the Lord to be like, I, guess I need a break from him. Just stop complaining all the time. I don't want to be that to the Lord. That's what they become to God. This is the crazy thing, right? Because how this thing all started, God loved them. God said, I want to bless you guys. I want to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Like everything God wanted to do for them was so good. And they just wouldn't let him do it. They would not let God bless them. And we can read this about them, but that is, this is us. They're us. Right. These things are written for our admonition that everybody here is the same God. And he loves us with the same exuberant love. And he wants to bless your life. God wants to do great things in you and with you and through you for his glory. His desire is to bless his children. And as much as they were going to go into a promised land, God wants to bring us into the spirit filled life, the abundant life, the life that's abundant and abundantly blessed. And it's as we obey and submit and surrender that we get to enter in. Everybody won't enter in. Everybody won't receive all that God would do. But that's what God wanted to do for them. He wanted to bless them. And they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't take him up on his promises. They wouldn't obey the directions and the commands. When God sent them, they wouldn't go. When he said don't, they wanted to go. They just, they wouldn't take hold of what God was desiring to do. And I would imagine, you know, I'm not God, but I would imagine that that would be frustrating. For parents, you know, you have a desire to just, you want the best for your kids and you're guiding them in the way that's best for them to, to see them just not take it. It's frustrating. It's like, please just do what I'm telling you. I know what I'm talking about. You know, how much more does the Lord know what he's talking about? And he's saying, just, just let me bless you guys. I want, I want to do great things with you and for you. So now look at verses six through eight. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader, according to their father's house. 12 rods and the rod of Aaron was among the rods and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. So all 12 rods went in and they're there. And as he went in the next day, so overnight, he goes back in. Eleven rods are just still rods, but Aaron's rods done something supernatural has happened. It's put forth three things. And so it's kind of interesting. It's got it at each stage. It says it put forth buds. I want to just clarify. <laughs> it's not marijuana buds. I'm glad he put the rest of it here because we have some people trying to use this. But it put forth buds. It said, so it's buds, it's sprouted buds produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And so it was all three stages of the almond, the ripe almond, the blossom, and then the bud. It went all three stages on the rod. Now, that's obviously, this is a miracle. This is supernatural. This is not a living tree. It's a dead tree. It's a stick that's been, you know, cut out. It's not attached to anything. God did something supernatural here to set apart that rod, the one that belonged to Aaron, in the face of everybody that was there, that they would know that this is the person that I've chosen. This is the person that I've elected to be the leader. And so now look at verse nine. It says, then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to the children of Israel. And they looked 
and each man took his rod. And I, I like to just put myself in there and I'm thinking of all these arrogant leaders, these men that self-appointed, these men that thought that they should be in a, a place or whatever, how they're there and they're going to get their rod handed back to them with nothing. And they're going to get their little empty rod with their name on it. Here's your rod, Bill. That's your empty rod. Jerry, there's your empty rod. Everybody's going to get their empty rod and they're going to look at Aaron's rod. And there won't be any question now as unto, you know, who did God call? Who did God elect? God said, let me clarify it. Here's another lesson for us, right? The people were attacking Aaron and Moses, but Aaron and Moses didn't need to defend themselves. Who defended them? The Lord did. The Lord said, I'm going to deal with this. For those of you that are in leadership, there'll be attacks. That just comes with the territory. And something my pastor told me at one point, he says, if you defend yourself, God will let you. Go for it. Go ahead and defend yourself. But if you don't, if you leave it up to him, he'll deal with it for you. I have over time in my life, I've learned that lesson that if I jump out there and I want to go defend myself and make it right, God says, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, defend yourself. Now I'm not in it. I'm going to let you do it yourself. And you can get all straight. Anybody here ever defend yourself? It's stressful. You aged 10 years in one episode. You know, it's, it's not healthy for you. It's bad. You can be in a bad state of mind and heart. God says, let me do it. Let me take care of it. That's one thing. So as they left it to the Lord, God dealt with it. God came, but this is God's idea. God's the one that said, hey, hey, Moses, tell all these guys, bring a rod, each of the tribes. God set this thing up, and God has established here his leader. So now there's a miracle. Uh, obviously, this is something God can do. We've seen over the past, and I think this would have ministered to the Israelites because they've seen many miracles done through the rod of Moses, as we talked about earlier, the rod turning into a serpent and then coming back up, the sea splitting in half, the all the different plagues that were put forth on Pharaoh were, you know, as he struck his rod here, the lice and this and that, they would come forth. And so they've been accustomed to this, the rock, all these, they've been accustomed to these things. And God says, now, you know, I, I don't want you to question Aaron, his authority, the fact that it's supernaturally by my hand that he's appointed here to lead in that way. So this is something else I would challenge us with. Um, as this group was having a hard time with Aaron and Moses, why were they having such a hard time? Because they were disobedient. They weren't in sync with the Lord. And maybe for some of us, when we're at odds with particularly spiritual leaders, at odds with even other believers, I think it's a healthy thing for all of us to always step back and say, is it me? God, am I not getting along with this person? Am I out of sync with this brother or this person because I'm not really right with God? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do what God wants. That was the story for them. What God wanted, they were like, I don't want to do that. I want, I want to do it my way. God says, I got these guys that are going to lead. They're like, no, we want to lead. And so now they're out of sync with God's program. So we have something a little better than they did back here. They obviously, they had God. They had a couple of leaders. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have, I mean, we got a whole script. We know what to do. We got the whole 66 books of the word of God to direct us and instruct us what to do to help us to be on one accord if we're going to be on one accord. And so we do want to be people that yield and submit to the Lord. What if they had just been submissive people that just say, you know what, God, those are the guys that you put there. We're going to just yield. We're going to submit to the authorities that are there. And so here's something for all of us, because we I think every human being struggles with authority. It may be different. Maybe you don't struggle with spiritual authority. Um, maybe you struggle with authority in your home. 
You might be a wife and struggle with the authority of a husband. You might be a husband and struggle with letting God lead through you, submitting to God as a husband. You might be a child and struggle with submitting to your parents. There's many places where God has called us to submit. And I find that we live in a culture where people don't want to be submissive. Everybody wants to be the boss. Everybody wants to have their way. That's even how our kids are being raised up. You want to be the, you want to be over everything. You want to be this, you want to be that. Nobody wants to be subservient or submissive. But we look at Jesus, our Lord, our master, our ruler, our, our God, and we look at his ministry on the earth. He said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to earth and he served. He was humble. He washed dirty feet. He humbled himself and ministered to people that he was disrespected by people that he created, you know. Um, and so he's our example, right? We don't want to be in charge or over or bossing people. We want to learn that heart, that spirit of just God, help me to be submissive where I need to be submissive. And I, as I went through this, I'm like, God, where, where do I need to submit? They're areas. One of them, the laws. I'd be breaking laws. And in my mind, because I used to break big laws, when I break little laws, it, it seems little. And as I was just going over this, and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I was convicted about it. I, I break laws. I break traffic laws, littering laws. And again, when I compare me today with the old me, it's like, wow, I'm not, it seems like less. It doesn't seem like it's that bad. But when I stop and look at it, I mean, yes, yeah, I'm not I'm not submitting. I'm not submitting. It's, it's me saying, well, I just I, I just don't think that's not submitting. Right. God didn't ask me what I just don't think I'm not submitting. That's an area for me where I got to work on that. I need to submit to that. God has ordained those things. And it would be a shame if I were to be brought into account for breaking a law like that. It would be shameful. It would be embarrassing. So where do you struggle? Right. You don't have to raise your hand and tell me, but where do you struggle to submit? And this is the goal of submission, right? When I submit to God's ordinances, who am I really submitting to? God. When I rebel against them, who am I rebelling against? God. So when I rebel against the laws of the land that God established, God set that up, I'm, I'm rebelling against God. If you rebel against God's leadership in your home, then you're rebelling against God. When a kid rebels against their parents, they're rebelling against God. When a wife won't submit to her husband, she's not submitting to God. When a husband won't submit to Christ so, and lead his home in the way God, he's not submitting to God. The submission always ends, it always begins and ends with the one that gave the command. And so a failure to submit is a failure to submit to God. I'm not letting him be Lord. And so that's for all of us, right? If Jesus is Lord, then God submit. I submit to your people. I submit to your ordinances. The, those that you put in charge, submit to all of that. And in my life, there have been times where, you know, I've been called to submit to leaders and different things like that, that I didn't agree. And, and I guess submission only counts when you don't agree, right? If somebody over you tells you to do something you want to do, you don't have to submit. You're like, all right, I'll do that. that. That sounds good to me. You know, your parent tells you to go do something you desire. It's like, that sounds good. It's when they tell you to do something that you don't want to do. It's like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't agree. And what people do, like what they do, what they did here, I don't agree with what you're telling me to do. I don't want to do it. So I'm going to start picking you apart so that I don't have to do what you said. That's what they start doing. I don't know how come they get to be the people. And we'll start picking apart the individuals and the people. And I've been guilty of this as well. You know, as I look back over my life at different eras and different times. And I can also look at the times where 
I didn't want to submit to something, but I did, and the outcome was, was good. And I look back and I think, wow, I, almost, I could have messed that up because I know I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to submit to it, but it was necessary. One case, when I was over high school ministry, I always would select my own assistant. So I had a guy that was assisting me that I really liked. It was going great. And I felt like we were just a great team and it was going really good. And I got called into the office one day and told that, hey, why don't you, you know, encourage him to step aside and go ahead and spend some time raising up somebody else. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I like him. I raised him up. That's his, I don't, so I don't want to. But they, and then my pastor said, well, that, that's, I want you to do that. And I submit. I was like, I walked out like, all right, okay. But I mean, I, I went to my office. I sat there and I was like, well, I, you know, I, it didn't make sense. I didn't understand it. It was all the, I had a million reasons why I didn't like this idea. And I went ahead and did it. And I had to do it with the right heart. And it broke his heart. He was all crushed. And I felt bad. And But... The individual I had to step down, he had a trip planned to go out of the country with family. He went on that trip. And while he was on that trip, he fell in the sin. And had he still been in the position he was in, it would have been really ugly for the youth because we would have had to deal with church discipline in a public way. And it would have been really ugly. But since he had been stepped down and he was no longer serving, it was like, well, now we still can minister to him and, and what went on in his life. But it didn't affect the kids. And as I, when that thing happened, I looked back and I thought, was that God's wisdom to say, because it wasn't really any good reason that we did it. I never got a reason. I just got told, I just want you to do it. And it was nothing in his life that's forecasted. There was nothing about him that said he's going to make that mistake, you know, a month or two down the line. But as it happened, I looked back and I thought, wow, Lord, I need to be better about submitting next time because I did it. But I did it really begrudgingly. I did it really like, you know, I really felt like he had messed up making that call. Like, why is he messing, meddling over here? But after all that happened, I was like, wow, what wisdom, what great wisdom from above. You know, it just it felt different. So, again, as God will many times call us to be in positions to submit, submitting is only submitting when we don't agree, when we don't want to do it. That's when it's submitting. So if you're, I do whatever people, I, I submit really good. This, you need to taste that when you get told to do something that you don't like. That's when it's like, all right, now I'm submitting. And so they had a hard time with this. Their lack of submission to God's leaders, again, like I said, was really a lack of submission to the Lord. And it hurt their relationship with God. And it hurt them in terms of becoming all and receiving all that God wanted to give them. They missed out quite a bit because they wouldn't submit to the Lord. They wouldn't submit to the people he raised up. So, so again, Aaron's rod budded, verse nine. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to the children of Israel and they looked and each man took his rod. I want you to note that they were looking. Every It says they looked. I believe that each guy was hoping somewhere deep down that ooh, ooh, I wonder if my rod was a rod. Ooh, and it's nothing. They looked. That was an intent look. They were looking and nothing to see. Here go your little empty rod with your name on it. Um, they got their rods back. Verse 10, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Now God says, Bring me Aaron's rod, the one that budded and has got the three stages of almonds, got the blossoms, the buds, and the ripe almonds. Bring that thing and bring it into the tabernacle. 
And he said, I wanted to be kept here as a sign against the rebels. Again, I want you to notice God's speech. We're learning about God. How does God feel about this group of people that won't submit to rebels? Put that thing here as an example. For all time, when they come through here, I want them to see that rod that blossomed, that they wouldn't forget who I chose. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.